Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. The following broadcast has been approved for Elite Hornets fans. What a block by Cody Zeller. Walker down the lane, drive, shoots, scores! Game over! Bringing back the buzz was only the beginning. We will not go quietly into the night. It's Hornets talk for the hardcore fan. It's Hive Talk Live. Hornets down two. Daniels! Oh my! Troy Daniels! How do you do? How do you like that, David? I do fine. I do fine. <laughs> How do you like that for a little intro to get us started here? The Hornets are going to the Super Bowl! (laughs) Welcome in, Hornets fans. You are listening to Hive Talk live on atthehive.com. It's Hornets Talk for the hardcore fan. We are live in the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte. We even we moved a little furniture, David. It looks good in here. And I put I put back up our decorations, our, our Charlotte Hornets memorabilia you're gonna to have to contribute to that at some point get some i'll get bring some, some stuff in get some classic stuff do we need a lance bobblehead do we uh i think we have one okay, okay. It, it's I'll uh think of something else yeah it's guarding the trash can <laughs> uh i'm doug branson joining me as always my good friend david walker david how you doing buddy i'm tired doug you're tired i think we're all tired but right now we're just a little chippy maybe we're running on fumes a little bit maybe we got a little too much coffee well but listen it's gonna be a good show well listen i mean it was um we, or it we, has been two days of intense sports uh, feelings. Yeah, yeah. Now, we both went to the Panthers game Sunday. Uh-huh. That's correct. Long Sunday evening, very exciting. Uh, not the not the doctor prescribed amount of sleep that one may want for a Monday morning. Nope. And then hashtag we, keep pounding and my then, head. <laughs> right. Hashtag keep pounding. Then we had uh, a ten o'clock tip off last night. Um. Looked like you may be able to get some sleep in, though. But the third quarter was a revelation. It just wasn't to be, and we're going to have a full Not complaining, by the way. No, absolutely not. No, I said, you know, when we cover sports like we do, and we're on top of it pretty much every day getting ready for the the three shows that we do a week, it can take some of the fun out of it sometimes. You know, we, we get focused on covering the games, and we forget that sports are fun. And, and it's games like the Panthers game, and this game with the Hornets and, and Sacramento mm. that really remind you of how joyous uh, this sport or sports in general can be. Hey, by the way, you can listen to us live every Tuesday and Thursday at 6 o'clock p.m. right here on HiveTalkLive.com. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast aggregator to get this show uploaded to your mobile device of choice. You don't have to do anything. You just subscribe. You give us a five-star review. We thank you. <laughs> and with that, I say... Let's swarm Charlotte's. Well, I mean, we're going to talk about this Sacramento game, obviously, in depth, but they also beat the Knicks, and we should talk about that game briefly. P.J. Hairston and Lynn stepping up big, a storyline that would continue, these reserves stepping up big time, a storyline that would continue into the 
what we're calling the miracle after midnight. Uh, <laughs> but P.J. Hairston and, and Lynn specifically played well in this Knicks game, a, a Knicks game that did not feature Carmelo Anthony in the fourth quarter. He sat due to right knee soreness. But this was another game that the Hornets could have easily lost. I've seen Bobcats teams in, in the past with this level of talent on the floor lose these type of games, and the Hornets, this iteration of the Hornets did not. Yeah, that's the biggest thing. I think you're starting to see, and maybe it's the the outburst from Kemba Walker that's you know getting him a little more in that uh, leadership mold of guys just are not quitting. Um, and especially you're seeing, obviously, the reserves who are playing a lot more right now. It's, it's something we have not seen when you have different guys stepping up in, in these wins. I mean, the, that Knicks win at home would have been one of those that was another, gosh, that would have been a bad loss to take, especially when you're trying to climb back into the playoff race. Uh, that was a big win at home, especially with Carmelo going down. As you said, we were going back and forth about that game. With him going down, it, it almost took on must win. Yeah, and the Knicks not shooting well throughout that game. The Hornets win 97-84. to Kimba Walker and Jeremy Lin scoring 26 apiece, and P.J. Hairston tossing in 20 on 7 of 14 shooting. Not just three-pointers. He was getting to the rim as well. He finished with a double-double, 20 points. 10 rebounds but we look that was a great win but we got to get to the miracle after midnight this amazing game what happened well the Hornets shot 17 percent in the first quarter to start the game Sacramento had seven turnovers but the Hornets could only turn that into three points 48 percent shooting in the second quarter though they start to get back in it Lynn provides another spark they go into the half down 10 then they come out of the half seven consecutive main threes including four from Spencer Hawes and several from Troy Daniels. You'll hear his name again. Don't worry. They decimated that Kings 10-point lead, but the Kings hung around on the back of DeMarcus Cousins, who absolutely dominated the Hornets' interior defenders. Kimba had a chance to essentially win the game at the end with free throws. He misses the second, and they head to overtime. In overtime, Hornets' foul trouble becomes an issue. Hawes, Marvin, Hansborough all foul out. That left poor Frank Kaminsky, David, to fend off DeMarcus Cousins. Frank fouls him at the end of overtime. Two boogie free throws later. The Hornets are in double overtime without three of their four big men. Both both teams dead tired. They, they missed their first nine field goal attempts, I believe. The Hornets had no one to guard Cousins or get a rebound. Luckily, Cousins fouls out on an offensive rebound attempt. Hope springs eternal for the Hornets. They're down two after a, William, a Willie Cauley-Stein dunk. The Hornets have one final play, and well, We'll let Eric Collins explain once more. Hornets down two. Daniels! Oh, my! Troy! Daniels! How do you do? Troy! <laughs> How do you do? I mean, it was the call of the season, oh for sure. Gosh. That was the – it was a call that Eric Collins was born for. That – that's why he was brought in for those. Yeah, I think so. I mean, And it, he's been practicing I, those. You I know. loved it. I loved it, too. I loved, I loved it. it, too. I don't know how you can have a problem with that. That was just sheer, just exc- he lost his mind for a split second, mm-hmm. as I think I did, a mm-hmm. lot everyone watching, uh, you know, did when, when Troy Daniels just launched that thing from Steph Curry range is what that was. I mean, that was in between the circles. I mean, that was just really just over half court it seemed like but um you know, we need to get into this thing about Kimba running the wrong play and all this jazz but well, who cares we'll, we'll get to it I want to play one other clip though because 
So we just talked about Collins' call. So th- this is a segment I'm kind of stealing from Chris Kroger over at WFNZ, but I wanted to play the call from the other team in Sacramento just to give you a, a little uh, taste of, of what the losing team had to say about this final shot by Troy Daniels. Top right-hand corner of your screen. They look to get the ball in the Walker. Lynn looks, he looks, he looks. Now the red-hot Daniels, a three. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. The guy has been lights out tonight. He has been unbelievable. So at least they gave it up to Troy Daniels, but uh, that team very somber and a uh, great team there in Sacramento. But, yeah, I mean, they were – uh, they they didn't enjoy Troy Daniels ruining their their double overtime night. I'm Man. sure they were as tired. I, that's the thing to me is that Eric Collins could muster up that amount of, that <laughs> of was, excitement. That was approximately one twentyish a.m. our time when Eric Collins right. You know, his head and they exploded. can feel it. It doesn't matter what time it is on the yeah. West Coast. They know what time it is on the East Coast. Yeah, but that was awesome, man. I mean, there's been a lot been made, and we love Steve Martin, and not to dwell on the broadcast team too much, but like Eric Collins was brought in to be that excitement, that guy. It takes a while to gel. You know, he's got his good points and his bad points, as does that crew, but I enjoy him. I think he's fun. <laughs> in a moment like that, that's what you get. You get a, you get a how do you do, and, I mean, that was uh, that was a fun time. But, I mean, yeah, that was a late – Obviously, a late game. Anyone who was up was was chattering on Twitter about one thirty in the morning, and you're just like, "Oh man, another overtime in this thing." When it felt like the Hornets had it a couple times, and and it just it just kept going. And and, and Cousins, I mean, we'll get was to him, amazing, like, a monster. Just, Let's get, yeah, just unbel- just eating up whoever the Hornets were throwing at him. And we knew it I, was going to happen. Yeah, I don't think the Hornets should feel bad about that. He's been doing that, and he would have done that to just about anyone in the league last night. But you see that guy move. Uh, someone as big as he is with the quickness underneath the basket there. It's, 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 you mentioned Frank trying to guard him at the end. It's just like, listen, I don't know. Just stay in front of him. I mean, just just keep your body. That's all you can, do. All you and, can do. Well, there was an adjustment at halftime that I thought was great. They brought the backside help. When the post yeah. feed came in, they brought it a lot sooner. They tried. I mean, they, they tried. tried, and that's all you can do when a guy is in that kind of rhythm and has that kind of physical advantage over everyone. Is just try to bring the help as quickly as possible. You're going to sacrifice those Caspi threes or a Rajon Rondo drive or a Rudy Gay drive. We saw a couple of those uh, happen off of those doubles. That's going to happen. But I thought the adjustment at halftime defensively was great, and then offensively to continue to get the ball to Lynn, who had a great second quarter, and, and he made a lot of those threes happen, as did Kimba Walker, because of their ability to get in the paint and draw attention. Yep. They were able to kick that ball back out to Spencer. I believe uh, Lynn had 10 assists. He had a crazy game. I mean, he was on triple-double alert. Rajon Rondo was on triple-double alert. Yeah, it, let's it see. Was... Final for Lynn was 20 points, 11 assists, 7 rebounds, and on 8 of 19 shooting uh, – only took four threes, and I say only because the Hornets attempted forty-four threes overall. So that was on the low end of the of the three attempt spectrum for Lynn. But he, I mean, he was amazing. How many shots did the Hornets put up? One hundred and ten or something. One hundred and ten. That's that's going <laughs> that's to affect those per thirty-six numbers. That's a for skip. Sure. That's a skip shoot around tomorrow number. Which, by the way, I think every I think shoot around was more or less optional today, and and I saw somewhere that. 
I think all 10 guys, whoever could walk, showed up. Well, listen, they're staying bought in. They're staying believing. And and this team, and there was comments in the locker room and there were comments by Steve Clifford, but this team is finally in this moment. uh, And the miracle after midnight really seals this up in my mind. The team has is starting to get it because there are so many guys out at this point. There is a starting yeah. lineup's worth of, of talent out of this lineup. And so these reserves are now starting to understand, like, it's we have to play defense. We have to play with every ounce of our being or we lose the game. Not only do we lose the game, we lose the game by 20. And it's, it's nice to see them starting to get it because you know – when those other guys start to filter back, and we've already seen Batum and Lamb are questionable, that's an upgrade. They could possibly see action against Utah in this next game. When those guys start to filter back, that's going to leak into them as well. Yeah. This is contagious. Like Energy and and effectiveness and purpose, all those things are contagious. Not if, to mention you-know-who who, who could be back. Right, and he's the he's the ultimate catalyst, right? I mean, I mean he brings in that, that cavalry in, in MKG, yeah. that energy – and and you know that intensity that's what's really been missing and you saw in this game against Sacramento an intensity whether it was Kimball Walker fighting clawing tooth and nail to get to the rim and get a foul or you know Jeremy Lin doing the same thing running around Hansborough. the court pro- probing Hansborough I fighting mean, with Kufis for that board listen that's what he was brought in here to do and he's playing a lot more minutes than you know the team would probably like or anybody had probably planned at least on a regular basis. But listen, you know, with 10 minutes in the second quarter last night, down 16, this was your five on the floor. Brian Roberts, Jeremy Lynn, Aaron Harrison. It is Aaron, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Tyler Hansborough, Frank Kaminsky. I, I mean, that's – I mean, that's an NBA lineup. But listen, they're not – By definition, yeah. they played in the NBA. It's better, yes, than, that's some, an NBA it's better than some they've had in the past. But but that that's who was going after it and, like – you know, we were looking at that first uh, first half, and you wanted to kind of get it under ten. I think it was right at ten. That third quarter, we haven't mentioned Spencer Hall's a lot. He had something I, I wasn't aware, but he had something to prove in that game last night. Yeah, because he was flexing his muscles. You know, after well, he used to play for Sacramento. I know, I know. And so he has a little. There's yeah, a little and, testiness. Yeah, there, exactly. I, I it just didn't register with me, or, or I didn't know how how deep it went. But man, he was on fire in the third quarter. He was a big reason. They put up 42 points in the third quarter. Yeah, the entire team's on fire. And, and, you know, in the overtime periods, it really really wasn't a question of keeping DeMarcus Cousins from scoring because he got tired as well. It was really getting a rebound. And you saw guys flying all over the court, loose ball. More fouls came from trying to get a loose ball and get a rebound to seal that game up than anything. I do want to talk about, and I know there are a lot of people listening that want us to talk about this controversial moment at the end of the game. Kimball Walker steps up to the free throw line. He hits his first free throw. There's, what, .6 seconds left, so Sacramento would only have an opportunity to to heave one up. They had no timeouts left. Kimball Walker gets ready to, to take his second free throw, and Sacramento point guard Rajon Rondo gets into the lane, directs traffic, switches a few guys, which causes the Hornets to switch a, a few guys on the lane. 
at one point was just standing next to the ref and pointing at random things. It looked like, yeah, a practice of eight-year-olds. Well, he, well yes, it looked like that, or it looked like uh, an aircraft like controller. Like He, he needed the <laughs> orange sticks. Like It was absurd. It was ridiculous, and it was in front of the king's bench, which which I, I guess – let you know help helped contribute to it but that was ridiculous the refs should have stepped in 30 seconds into that whatever it was it was almost a minute it was 59 seconds between when Kimba made his first free throw and the time and then we took his second one and he's I think he stayed on the line the whole time and that's kind of a, a personal thing I guess I'm sure he probably if he'd known it was going to take a minute he would have Step back. Well, there was taking a second. What bothered me most was there was a moment several possessions earlier in that regulation, and, and things were getting heated. And Sacramento made a bucket, and Caspi carried the ball all the way to the half court line, and then just let it drop. And the ref didn't call delay, delay of game, and and Kim is just sitting there like, "Are we going to get to get this ball inbounded?" It was um, it, no. See, here's the thing. I, I'm not a guy who complains about block charge calls or or this call into the game or this guy fouled out and and he shouldn't have fouled out. But when it comes to getting order in the game, you know, making sure the game can proceed as it should, to me that's paramount, and, and that's what bothered me most about this situation. Yeah, and the ref Kimba, standing right there. Look, Kimba still missed the shot. I mean, he, you still want to make that shot. But, like, that situation was ridiculous. Stephanie Reddy on the broadcast said it was unacceptable. 59 seconds. 59 seconds, Doug. Almost a minute between nothing the Nothing was throws. happening. There were no timeouts called. There was nothing. No, it was simply. And the ref's just standing there, standing there. Kimba's just standing there. It's an embarrassment in my mind. And and so we got the word from the at the Hive guys that, the NBA report that comes out every night about missed calls or non-calls came out and said that Troy Daniels traveled or should have been a travel call during the three-point shot that won the game. But I don't – to me, that again, that's a judgment. Like, you you make that or you miss that. To me, where's the where's the report on the refs not having control of the basketball game? That's what I want to know. Yeah, it, it did seem to get a little out of hand at times, and that was just ridiculous, that that last free throw play. I mean, I've never seen anything like that. I'm sure it's happened somewhere before. I think didn't Markeith Morris have some similar situation this year when he kept switching and going back, and the refs stepped in, right? <laughs> They're like, listen, stop it, get in your place, and stay there. Uh, and this was just – I mean, I don't really blame Rondo or any of the players. I mean, no, they look, let the crap no, go on. Well – I don't, I don't, well, I don't know what blame them means, right. but I, I do think that it's Bush League. I think that it's Dirty Pool. I think, hey, go out there and win the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, go out yeah. there and win the game. Yeah. Don't the, – the, all this – untying the shoes at the free throw It was throw the line. only thing they could do. It was the only thing they could – they had no timeouts. It was the only thing they could do to, to pause the game. It was – it was brutal. I'm I'm glad for Kimba that they did come back and 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 win. Obviously, because that would have been that would have been a, a rough way to. Well, it was it would have been a tough way because Kimba was cold through the first three quarters and then got heated up in the fourth quarter, which was nice. I mean, you you know, guys of that caliber don't normally have four straight bad quarters, so it was nice to see him get it going. But we saw a couple of possessions where the I mean, for three closing possessions, I think mm. the ball went to him in an ISO situation, and in only one of those, the, the free throws that ended regulation, yes. did that you know have any effect on the game. Otherwise, it was a turnover or a missed shot. 
Yeah. So I, I and and luckily or fortunately, they did go to someone else for that final bucket. Went to Troy, who was the hot hand, and, and that play was drawn up for him, uh, as we found out after the game. I mean, I thought Kimba got fouled on the drive, the previous drive when it went off his leg. I, yeah. I thought they grabbed him on his arm, but you know. But yeah. I think I, actually, I thought he went a little early. I was hoping maybe they're all kind of running together. But there was a possession where there was maybe a second or a second and a half between the shot clock and the and the um, the problem the with clock. the problem with running Kimba on that kind of play, or or the problem with Kimba trying to draw the foul there is we know that Kimba it's fifty fifty on those calls. If it's LeBron James, he gets that call, and so if it's LeBron James, you're okay with him driving the basketball in that situation. But with bodies flying everywhere, well, also, the game so situation. Big. I mean, Willie Cauley-Stein, you saw him come over. Now, in defense of Kemba, I will say that he was able to get by Rajon or Darren Collison at will. He was able to get to the second level of the defense. So it wasn't as if he was driving and it was it guaranteed. Was the play was there, and yeah. he, he, he took the right. I mean, it was there to be had, but maybe for a reason. I mean, and they listen, know they have that back row of defense helping them out. But. Look, all kinds of – and people listening now pro, will complain about Kemba and ISO situation. Our former host, uh, Peter Haley, we were texting about it, and he was complaining about three straight Kemba ISOs. But – I mean, look at – Here's look, the look, thing. Look, look at who's out there. Well, look at the NBA. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? You're watching the National Basketball Association, and I live in reality. Whether I like three straight Kemba ISOs really is beside the point because in the NBA – you give the ball at the at those type of situations. You give the ball to your best player and ask him to go make a play. Player of the week, player of the week. You He's know. made these kind of plays before. I'm just saying, up. like, yeah. that's reality. College basketball is not that way. The NBA is. College basketball is more about coaching and drawing up these different kind of things and decoys. The NBA, nine times out of ten, it, the ball is going to your best player in those type of situations. Unless, like we saw in this double overtime game, you have seven or eight of those situations, and then finally you draw up some kind of decoy situation. It's yeah. the middle of January. Right. This is not playoffs. You're not trying to really play chess at this point. You're just, you give the ball to your best player. You give it to Kemba. I mean, that's <laughs> uh, like. And again, I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing that it was the right call. I'm just saying that the reality is. That's the NBA, and you have to just either accept that or complain about it on Twitter, I guess. But you know what I'm saying? It's just that's the reality. Yeah. I I didn't have a problem with it. I mean, plus I knew it was coming, so (laughs) it helped ease his pain. I did not know that Troy Daniels' three bomb was coming, to to be honest. I mean, that was – that was nice. That was nice to see because he, I didn't. I, I didn't know that we were playing basketball at that point. Uh, uh, it was the the refs were acting really weird at the end of that game and and calling some things and not calling others. That the no shots were going in because everyone was tired. That didn't resemble basketball as we've known it in those in the la- latter parts of that second overtime. So I didn't know what to expect honestly. But props to. Whether he traveled or not, props to Troy for getting squared up, getting up, getting separation on Collison, and and firing it up there. Yeah, and I mean, let's just say like the definition he traveled. I mean, you can look at it, and that's why they. But he's not going to be. He's, he's not going to be gonna, on Shacked and a fool for that no, travel. No, no, no. I mean, that's a that's a Carmelo move. You know, half the time. But the NBA, if you get a, a you know, if you get a shot of that, and they say, "Is this traveling?" They're they say, "Yeah," you know. But like we said, go back through that game. I mean, pick out 
anything or any game, you know, it's like you, you can't just, you know, say that, that, that blew them the game. Come on. It's double overtime. No. Well, the Hornets won 128 or 129 to 128. Got to give them that extra point. That's the one that won the game and are currently in ninth ninth place, place, 22 and 23. And three out of their last five games have gone to overtime. They've won all three of those. They've won all five contests this season when they've gone to overtime. So the team proving. That says something, I think. And I think la- it does. And last thing on this, Clifford, I think, and the coaching staff, you know, you, you go back to that Knicks game, Clifford shoot out P.J. Harrison on, on mm-hmm. a timeout in that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Harrison had the best game of his career. He shoot out Lynn late in this game uh, when Lynn dribbled into some, some uh, trouble and turned it over. Um it's starting to feel like you know either the guys are, are listening. He knows what's he knows what buttons to push, but they certainly, if nothing else, look like they're all on the same page. They're of of one mind. They are they're all working hard and trying hard for them. And like you alluded to, they really don't have much of a choice. They're going all the way down the bench. I mean, if you have a jersey on and you are active, you're going to play in that game last night, especially. A lot of people are asking. Does Troy Daniels deserve playing time or will he get playing time when Jeremy Lamb and a few other guys return? MKG, like, are we talking Troy Daniels playing into March and April? Don't answer that. I, well, answer it if you're listening and, and want to tell us on Twitter at Hive Talk Live. But I want to save that question for Justin Thomas from ESPN 730, who's coming up with his Inside the Locker Room segment. Uh, That Sacramento game, guys, was the start of a four-game road trip for the Hornets against some very beatable Western Conference opponents, Utah, Portland, and the Los Angeles Lakers coming up on the schedule. And we could possibly, according to to Clifford, we could possibly see MKG at the end of this road trip. That is insane. That's insane. You know. Who knows? But Insane that's, in a really good way. I mean, we're going to bring back uh, one of our favorite segments. I don't think we've done it this year, but it's one of our favorite segments of all time. We did it a few times last year. We call it Box Score Boogie. And it, it definitely has some of the best music uh, of any segment. That's <laughs> It gets me in a certain box score mood all right so box score boogie for those uninitiated we take the box score and we pick out a few numbers and we try to stump each other with these numbers i'll let you go first your first number from the i guess i should put the box score away or that would be cheating yeah go me, ahead too. And, me too what's what what do you got for first me? number is nine 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 times. nine times nine times i don't know uh, nine nine times someone jumped on DeMarcus Cousins' back to prevent him from scoring a bucket, but he still scored the bucket. That would have been in one possession. <laughs> I mean, just real quick, Marvin Williams guarded him for an extended period of time well, last night. Well, P.J. Hairston guarded Willie Cauley-Stein in the second <laughs> overtime. I mean, it was funny. The, the matchups were hilarious. All right, what was it? Nine is the number of turnovers the Hornets had last That's night. That's not a lot. Nine. Because I believe Sacramento had, what, 22? 22. 23, something Double like Double overtime game. Nine, Nine turnovers. turnovers. That's below their average in regulation. That's, That's a big crazy. reason why they won. My first number for you is 42. Hmm. This is the 42. The answer to everything in the universe. 42 is the number of 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 uh the number of switches that Rondo <laughs> made 
on the last free throw. <laughs> he did not want it. Well, yeah, there was that. And also, probably the number of switches the entire game. He wanted none of Kimball Walker in that game. Man. No, 42 points. That's how many points the Hornets scored in the third quarter. Two points away from the all-time Hornets record of oh, 44. Yeah, I saw that earlier. <laughs> so that was on Twitter. You got a little hint on that one. All right. Uh, got another one for me? I do. 31. And uh, this is kind of a clue. 31. <laughs> how is how is saying it deeper a clue? <laughs> it, it applies just just the 31. <laughs> I'll explain. I have no idea. That was the number of fouls called on each team. Oh, yeah. Dead even. Three Hornets fouled out. They were a little more spread out for Sacramento. Only DeMarcus Cousins fouled. Did you think that was a foul on DeMarcus Cousins? The, the one last one? The last one. That I actually out? thought he might get a call when Jeremy Lin tripped over him. Yeah, and they called uh, it on Lin instead. They called it on Lin. That was, Which uh, was a, a, surprising. A, a, a little so weird. I think he got a break on that one. And, what uh, anyone complaining about that? Remember the foul previous where Lin gave... Demarcus a little chin music on that offensive or the defensive rebound, and they called that one on Lynn. And again, Demarcus did kind of the same thing. He got the ball on an offensive rebound, swung his arms back, and hit Kaminsky. Well, Kaminsky, you, by the way, veteran move there. No, probably knowing that Demarcus had five fouls and and doing what he needed to do on that contact to you know get that foul call. That was that was a veteran type thing. It felt like. Yeah, yeah, it felt like we definitely knew, or Frank definitely knew how many fouls he had. I, I don't know if Demarcus did. I guess he did, but he almost got another. Te- I mean, he was giving it to the he refs. He was well. He was giving it to that headband. Did you see that? He's never going to wear that headband. He did again. not appreciate he sh- that headband at all. <laughs> <laughs> he stretched it out. Ugh. All right, I've got. Uh, let's see. I'll give you one more. Seventy-four points. 74 points. 74 points. 74 points. Pitones. Oh, I know what this is. But I'm going to say... No, hit me with it. No, hit points me with in the paint. Oh, for the Kings. so good. Man, you win. Points in the paint. Yeah, 74 points in the paint for Sacramento. And that just illustrates what the Hornets were dealing it with. It could have been more. It definitely could have <laughs> been more. I, well, that's the thing. When, when you think about... DeMarcus Cousins, what, 56 was the final for him? And he wore down. He was tired by the end of that. Yeah. And it was because of the energy that he had to exert to get to 56. It wasn't He wasn't shooting. I mean, he was digging down in the paint, finishing through contact. I mean, you got to give it up to DeMarcus Cousins in this game. Yeah, you really do. I mean, you can say all you want to about, you know, the the uh, the not off the court stuff, but the the reactions and 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 all that stuff which I've never really had a problem with it because he's so freaking good. I mean, I think you you do all you can to deal with that because you saw last night, I mean, he just chewed up whoever the Hornets threw out there. Yeah. Well, there so. it is. Box score boogie. We got it out of the way. That felt good. Mm. I've missed that segment. <laughs> Maybe we'll do it again. I've missed your smell. <laughs> okay, we're still waiting on uh, Justin Thomas to come on. We're going to do inside the locker room. Uh, we can go ahead and talk about Troy Daniels. We we uh, teased it a little bit earlier. Troy Daniels, David, do you think that he deserves more PT? Deserves, yeah. I mean, he's played well enough to earn that. Do you think he will get um, more PT when Jeremy Lamb comes back? That's what you call dead air, Doug. Well, it's a tough question. Uh, it's, yeah, I it's mean, a really tough question because 
Troy Daniels has played so well, and not only played so well, but revolutionized certain parts of his game that would have kept him out, like his defense. Yeah, I will say this. He's, I mean, he's still, the main thing he's providing is that shooting, right? So, you know, the Which is what Lamb would provide. Right. But Lamb is more hesitant to shoot that shot than Troy. Troy Troy is not 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 hesitant hesitant at all. Um, And he's proved that he can be consistent with the shooting. That's the big. That's the big revelation on offense. You know, my 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 thought is Lamb is on a much shorter leash, if that makes sense. When he comes back, so he comes back, he gets his minutes back. But if he displays some of the troubles we've seen out of him earlier in the season, then Troy. Yeah, I mean, let's not forget. Let's not forget who's signed long term here not that that's going to make a huge difference but i mean you know not a lot of money i mean it's not no but a commitment true for for lamb but i think it's encouraging because look we we honestly don't know what's going to happen with jeremy lynn and so if i'm looking long long term if jeremy lynn hopefully he decides he likes it here because he's a dynamic player but if he if he decides to go to a different situation for whatever reason i think it's great to have a guy in troy daniels who experienced a, guy he's a he's a bigger more traditional two guard and you know having a guy like that getting these minutes now will be beneficial to the team if there were another injury down the road this season or if there is a spot for him next season he'll be ready to go because and and you really I think the best part about what we're seeing out of Troy Daniels is that he's bounced around between the NBA and the D League for so long and he just I think it's amazing when those type of guys stay ready and they stay professional and they stay willing. Yeah. You know, the confidence. I can't believe the confidence that he displayed during that game. When he got the ball, David, that ball was going up. And he had some tough guarded shots. I mean, closely guarded shots. And you're right. I mean, that's just something that this team – has looked for obviously you want to have talent but they're getting they're getting pros in here that have been in those situations I mean he hit one of the you know more prominent playoff shots for the Houston Rockets I believe a couple years ago that we and that ball came from Jeremy Lin Lin. (laughs) many Jeremy and I I didn't immediately recall that I will not take credit for that I I was not I was, uh, but I was given that by several of the Jeremy Lin fans that uh, also follow us on Twitter and listen to the show. So yeah, that's a kind of a neat thing where you get to relive that moment once again for a different team. It's it's really odd if you think about it to do yes. that kind of. I mean, it's it's a different situation, obviously, dead of January as opposed to uh, in the heat playoff, of the playoffs. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. Do, do we want to hit on the inbounds? Our inbounds update. Do at they? All. Do the Hornets want to hit on an inbounds? That's well. Let's hit on it with our good friend. Let's, uh, let's hit on it with our good friend Justin Thomas from ESPN Seven Thirty. Justin, how are you, my friend? Uh, whenever um, you can end the day on a high note, um, I like to think about being a good day. So I'm doing pretty good. How are you guys doing? <laughs> good, good. good. This here. is uh, inside the locker room with Justin Thomas from ESPN Seven Thirty. As always, every week, Justin, here on Tuesday, you bring us a juicy clip either from Steve Clifford or from someone in the locker room this week. It is from Steve Clifford. It's from his postgame press conference uh, after the New York Knicks victory, which we talked briefly about at the open of the show. Let's uh, listen to what Steve Clifford has to say about his team, which is down to its bare bones, but still somehow digging out 
victories. And I think that their, their, their mindset is we're playing for our season. You know, we're down guys, uh, you know, good, good players, key guys, a number of them. Um, and we've got, you know, now nine more games before the All-Star break, and we need to win our share here. And I think that's the way they're approaching it, um, that these are, you know, really important games, and we've played like it. This has been really probably the biggest challenge of Steve Clifford's young coaching career, having, again, an NBA's wor- or NBA starting lineup's worth of injuries. How do you think he's done installing this sense of urgency into the team? You know, I, I, the record, I guess, might not say if you go probably the last, you know, 10 to 15 games. But, you know, as of late, it's always, you know, what have you done for me lately? And surprisingly, the Hornets are on a three-game winning streak. I don't think anybody would have believed this if we would have brought this up. But somehow, some way, um, I guess, you know, if you just go by the next man up, they're scratching and clawing and then figuring out ways to put wins together. Yeah, absolutely. We were just talking about Troy Daniels, one of those guys who is next manning up, if you will, stepping up in a big way against Sacramento. What do you think about his situation when Jeremy Lamb, when MKG returns? Is there, will there be a place for Troy Daniels in the Charlotte Hornets rotation? Um, I, I think there is. And, and I say that because he can shoot. And when you can shoot, you can find a way on the floor. Um, before Jeremy Lamb went down, he wasn't playing particularly well. And early in the season, you know, Clifford had mentioned, you know, there's times where Troy Daniels or Brian Roberts or Spencer Hodge, guys can come off the bench and actually produce. And I think this is this just shows that, you know, Troy Daniels hasn't got a ton of minutes, but that but he's been prepared. And when his number's been called, he's played well. And, you know, last night he, he drops 28 and he had three um, – three double-figure scoring nights of the last five games. And, you know, it's it's shocking that you usually don't expect guys to just step off the bench and be able to play. But um, I know if you get to watch Troy Daniels, one thing comes to mind. And when you can shoot it, you can find a way on the floor. We also talked about not only Troy Daniels' minutes, uh, but these inbounds plays. We were just getting into that when you popped on the air, Justin. Uh, There's still an issue for this Hornets team. They've Uh, Changed a few of the guys around in terms of who's on the floor at this point, but that hasn't changed. The Horn is still struggling to get the ball inbounded in key areas. When you watch these games, when you watch these inbounds plays, is there anything in particular that you're seeing that's signaling to you what the overall problem is? Um, You know, it's it's something you look at and you you scratch your head and, and think, how is this task so simple? That's just inbounding the ball. Um, how difficult can that be? But it it just seems as, as like almost like guys like just can't get open. And then you know it's it's also big when you're you're trying to inbound this in at a, a key portion of the game. And you got to think you have to have the mental clock in your head if you're the person passing the ball in. And you definitely don't want to you know throw the ball to the opposing team and turn the ball over. So I don't know if it's if it's a product of I think it's actually a little bit of both. I think guys are actually struggling to get open, and two, I think it's nerves because, you know, everybody can play great, you know, the entire game, but, you know, the last five minutes of the game when it matters, you know, that's when you need to step up and play well. And I I don't understand what makes it so difficult because I don't – I think if you can ask anybody, they probably 
don't really give you a, a definite answer of, of why they're struggling so much. It, it's just mind-boggling at the time. Yeah, David, anything you're seeing in particular with those inbounds plays? Yeah, no, the only thing, I mean, I can come up with, I'm like, Justin, man, it's hard to figure this out. I mean, Kimba, you know, a lot of times they are trying to get the ball to him. He has trouble getting free. It's easy for larger guys. You know, we saw it in that Jazz game. Hayward holds him, and, and he doesn't get that call a lot. So, I mean, maybe that's a contributing factor. Um, we talked about this last week. I think they're kind of searching for that main guy to throw it in. So, I actually thought it was a little better last night, but – it's just it always seems to be key situations too. Of course, when you're going into overtime in all these games, everything is is is, is uh, more important. So it's it's amplified. But uh, it feels like they're getting heading in the right direction. But man, it's certainly not one of their strong suits. No, I think you're dead on there with the ball. Is they're trying to get the ball into Kemba, and Kemba has an issue getting free. But I also think that Kemba has never been the kind of guy to just you know f- f- flare out to the half court line and ask for the ball and and then set up a play. He they don't likes make it easy. <laughs> he likes the ball in motion. You know yeah. what I mean? He likes to get a little bit of a head start going towards the rim so that he can get, you know, some kind of action at the rim or draw a foul or or get a layup. And so I think they're making it a little more difficult than it sometimes needs to be. Because you can't make it so difficult that you sacrifice getting it in clean. I'll, you know, you have to be able to take a clean inbounds over the the perfect set or, or the perfect inbounds or getting the ball just like you like it. Get it in. Get the ball yeah. in. Get it clean. Because if that doesn't happen, then you've got no play. You've got right. zero opportunity to, to get the ball in. So, I mean, we'll keep our eye on it and keep asking about it because it just seems to be – an issue, and it's even stranger when you think that they're really good at guarding the inbounds. And we saw that at the end of, I believe it was, was it regulation or overtime where they stole uh, Kimball Walker? Stole the pass to Demarcus. Yeah, yeah. And that was a if Demarcus had gotten that, it was that, that was, was a great play. That was, easy, I believe over, it was yep. in overtime, heading into that second. So anyway, yeah. you know they guard the inbounds well. They can't get the ball inbounded. It's it's the biggest mystery of this season and we'll continue to keep our eye on it justin uh we're we're heading into three more road games against very beatable western conference opponents first up utah anything that you have your eye on heading into to that game uh in utah um nothing in particular i just think they need to they need to find a way to win um you know seeing that the eastern conference is, is so jumbled up that you know right now they're just a game and a half out of eight if you, I mean, as, as up and down as this season has been, if you're telling me that the Hornets could string together three more wins and have a six-game winning streak going into the All-Star break, what type of confidence that builds for a team that says, okay, if we put together a six-game winning streak and we're not even 100% healthy, can you imagine what we do when, we'll, when we get Alex Jefferson back, when we get MKG back? And I think confidence is, is very, very important. And these are winnable games. The Lakers, Portland, and Utah. Like you would think, okay, they they should have a shot to win, and they actually probably. Well, excuse me. I guess you can say teams should probably win games unless you're supremely talented. Um, and the Hornets haven't been that way since they've dealt with so many injuries. But I definitely believe you need to go into the you know the All Star break on a high rather a low. And this is the scheduling has has been brutal to them at times, but it couldn't have shaped up any better because a team that hasn't been good on the road. 
they get three, they get three on the road, and they get they can get ready. And and if they can get those three, I think not only will it will it just instill some confidence in them, it'll also, you know, you know, give Nick Batum some some confidence. It'll it'll also. Um, take some of the pressure, yeah. Take some of the better. pressure off those guys coming back. Great stuff, Justin. Yeah. Uh, we'll talk. We'll talk on Hive Talk Live Thursdays. Brought to you by ESPN Seven Thirty. We already have. Uh, we'll, we'll we'll roll an interview from the Pulse with Jeremy Lin. We're also going to be talking about Kimball Walker. Hopefully, we'll have the news by that Thursday six o'clock show whether or not he made the All Star team. We'll keep our eye on that and and possibly discuss that as well. Looking forward to that, Justin. Uh, have a good one. Always good to talk to you, my friend. Justin's so right about this, the last three games here of this uh, West Coast stretch. Winnable games, and that's important. They're all going to be tough. I mean, we saw how tough it was against the Jazz last week here. Friday night in Portland, that is going to be that's going to be a tough game. I mean, that's they're a surprising team, actually, but that's a tough place to play. If they can I get think, two of I think these, so, if they can, I th- but I think Portland, it's all it's mostly guard play. It's there for the taking. I'm just saying none of these, save maybe the Lakers. Of course, I don't want to say that. But I think you get two of these last three, you feel good coming back home because I don't know if you've peaked at the remaying games between Well, look, the next stretch. Yeah, the next stretch is tough. Cleveland, Miami, uh, Washington, Finally. Chicago. Now, all those games are at home. But those are tough games, and then they round out with uh, with Indiana right before the All Star break. So feels like it feels like ages since the Hornets played Washington. I'm looking forward to that. Well, rematch. you know, I was kind of eyeing that Cavs game. They've never beat LeBron, right? I mean, don't do this. To I yourself. mean, I'm just saying, don't do this. To I'm not going to go picking it or anything. I'm not going to throw it in my picks. But listen, if there's any, if there's ever a time to to catch a LeBron team, it's right now. Why would you? Or maybe it was last week. <laughs> hey, speaking of the NBA picks, we welcome in our good friend Nick Denning for Nick's Picks. We look across the NBA landscape the week ahead and and pick some games. Nick, how you doing, my friend? We decided on what we're going to do. I don't know if we've decided the the charities upon which we are giving, but we're going to give some money to charity. The the winner will select the charity of their choice, and then the two losers of this NBA picks contest will uh, fork over some cash for a good cause. Runners up. Runners up. What yeah. do you mean? There's no losers here. Oh. Oh, no. There's losers. What is this? <laughs> what is this? A participation trophy? Is this kindergarten? <laughs> no, of course there are losers. There's a, whoever wins, wins. Whoever loses, loses. Right. Um, let me update the standings for everyone. Uh, last week, uh, Nick and I went 2-1. and one. David went 1-2. and two. That means that David and Nick are tied at fifteen and nine, and I sit two games back at thirteen and eleven. But boys, I'm poised for like the Hornets. I'm poised for a January post and post All Star game break run in this pick challenge. Uh, Nick, start us off. What are your picks? What should Hornets fans be watching in the NBA this week? Uh, well, to start with the Hornets, I'm going to go with my Hornets lock uh, Sunday versus the Lakers. Don't really need to go too much into that. That should be the probably the most winnable game of this West Coast road trip, I think. Um, lead fast special going with Sacramento at New Orleans. I know we just watched Sacramento, uh, but I mean, another opportunity to watch Boogie Cousins this time going against Anthony Davis. I think that'd be a nice, nice lead pass matchup to watch. That game's on Thursday. Um, and in that game, I'm taking Sacramento on the road. 
And the national TV game, I'm going with San Antonio versus Cleveland because I think there's no bigger game this week than San Antonio versus Cleveland. That's on Saturday. I'm taking San Antonio also on the road in that one. I agree. San Antonio, Cleveland, two teams that have recently been decimated by the Golden State Warriors. Both of those teams will will try to figure out uh, which one. It's kind of like it reminds me of professional wrestling. Like two guys lose to the champs, and then they got to duke it out to see who gets the next opportunity at the champs. Mm, Golden State is ridiculous. Also reminded me of wrestling that double overtime victory. It was kind of like a hell in the cell <laughs> match. Just bloody guys. Whoever won was just completely destroyed. That was the Hornets. Yeah, it was. You're All right. right. I'm up. Pick? Me? Yeah. Uh, tomorrow night, Wednesday, I'm taking those Spurs again. A bounce back game at home where they are undefeated and they will host the Houston Rockets. Wait, what is this pick? Because you, you kept your picks confidential this week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, well, I'm telling you now. Well, I'm, I know. Okay. I need to write I mean, it down what, for record. Why do you get to see the picks beforehand, by the way? That's. Because I right? produ- it's right, called I, right? I produce the show. That's why. <laughs> okay, pulling the old producer card. Okay, uh, Houston at San Antonio tomorrow night. ESPN. And you're picking the Spurs. All right. And then we move on to you know the- I picked Dallas over Houston and Houston surprised. That was my one loss last week. So Houston, you bet against them at your own. Yeah, well I picked Dallas over. Okay, see, so no more upsets for me. Um, <laughs> I'm going the Hawks at Indy on Thursday. Uh, I spoke too soon, maybe. I'm taking Indy. Uh, maybe a mild upset, maybe not. But uh, I'm taking I Indianapolis so. there. Um, no, yeah, yeah. No, I don't think so. I think Four Indy. to six in their last ten. So, yeah, yeah, they're right there. Okay. Uh, and then the Hornets lock, I think we're both using the Doug Branson method of going into next week for this week's picks it worked it worked this week it barely worked that's why i was nervous i was not nervous about the hornets record i was nervous because it was my hornets lock hornets and kobe i can't wait for the storylines to come out of that one they drafted him he did oh man yeah i'm sure there'll be people in los angeles with you know classic hornets jerseys that say k brian on them uh now you guys saw the tip time for that right Nine thirty on a sunday Mmm, delicious. Sweet. I mean, these are all just 10, 9. Get out of here. It'll be a fun way to wind down. So I'm taking the Hornets in that one. <clears throat> all right, my picks are as follows. I'm My Hornets lock. I'm actually going midweek here. I'm going with the Portland game on Friday. I just think that the Hornets defend guard play better than they defend post play. There's not a dominant post player for Portland. I see the Hornets... Uh, taking care of business as they did against Portland in Charlotte. My league pass special is actually Sacramento at Portland. And the only reason I picked this is because it's tonight. Sacramento has oh. to play another game. God, great pick. <laughs> but DeMarcus Cousins could just out of anger. I mean, if he was David Banner or Bruce Banner, David Banner. Either one. If he was Bruce Banner last night, then he's the Hulk tonight against Portland. I'm taking Portland. (laughs) And my national TV game, take that, Sacramento. Take that, Rajon. National TV game, San Antonio versus Cleveland. I'm also going with this game. Uh, Cleveland, actually, they played the Spurs on January 14th uh, recently in San Antonio. Cleveland, uh, though, they ran out of gas. LeBron had to sit for a little while, running out of breath a little bit, but I don't think that's going to happen again. I think new college— Right. Well, I, th- well, I think new coach is is it's going to be the start of them getting back into shape. They're going to run 
on the Spurs, and they get the victory. They get the revenge against the San Antonio Spurs. Can we talk about, guys, can we talk about for our NBA topic, uh, a little uh, a guy, I don't know if you ever heard of him, named Steph Curry. Uh, Golden State played the Spurs and absolutely destroyed them. Is there any stopping Steph Curry? Have you guys point? seen these shots that are just, they're, they're not even shooting them at this point. He's launching them over his shoulder and then uh-huh. just, just starting to run back down court. Uh, it's... <laughs> Spencer Hawes did that a couple of nights ago, but it wasn't. They're not touching rim. But I think he was just getting back on defense, and and the shot missed horribly. (laughs) (laughs) But, Nick, what I mean, did you watch? How much of this game did you watch? Because I I tried to turn back when I could, and then I watched a a, a ton of the highlights afterwards. I mean, this this Golden State team is just, it's amazing. It's breathtaking. Yeah. No, I mean, well, it it gets you, it gives you a little more. It makes you feel a little bit, better, a little bit better about the Hornets managing to not lose so badly. I mean, you know, I mean, yeah. I mean, what team is not just falling victim to them by thirty points? Where you have the Bulls, the Cavaliers, and now the um, now the Spurs here in a very short period of time. It's it's kind of it's, like I said, it kind of makes me feel a little bit better about the Hornets. You know how they didn't do so well, but didn't do as badly, I should say. Well, here, let me give the the future sports writers of America who reflect on Steph Curry's career and, and whether he was better than some of the greats in the NBA. I want to go ahead and give them some fuel here. Steph Curry, really just Steph Curry. I don't even know if it's the whole Golden State Warriors team. Steph Curry is rewriting basketball at this point. That It's not even a high pick and roll. It, it's, it defies the word high pick and roll. It's a double high pick and roll that David West dared to go under. And when I say he went under the screen, David West was at the three-point line going under the screen. And Steph Curry pulls up, and as David said, doesn't really even shoot the ball. That's not an apt description. He just throws the ball up in a beautiful motion, and it yeah, goes I mean, in the basket. Yeah. So, he's definitely shoot, like he's shooting it. It just doesn't look like... I mean, it's it is it's it's the craziest thing you'll ever see, and they all go in. And teams are going. <laughs> it won't happen this season because you basketball NBA they don't change that quickly, or maybe it will start to change playoff time. That's the interesting thing because Pop is not going to do anything in this January game against Golden State to stop that kind of action. No. But come playoff time, we're going to see how the NBA will start to change to adjust to guys. Because Steph Curry's just the first that's going to be able to shoot this type of jump shot. And the NBA's got to do something defensively to start to stop that. And that's going to have domino effects in terms of the post game. So I'm just, it's, it's super interesting to me as someone who just digs into tape and studies the game, how this is going to start morphing the game of basketball or the game of professional basketball. It's nutty. Yeah, I don't know that there's going to be a lot of Steph Curry's or guys that are going to be able to come along and do what he's doing. You know what I mean? But no, but not, not next season. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I'm saying that's where the game is evolving to. That's, what, guys guys, are, that's what kids are trying to do now, shoot threes from half court when they used to be going out there. You know, I've, I've heard a lot about this. Yeah, game. the game, the, get, that's like, what the game does. The game yeah. evolves, the game expands, and the, and the, kids and the aren't shots lowering are always the goals going anymore. to. Right. Kids, like, that's what, when we were growing up, you lower the goal to eight feet. I mean, I never did, but... Um, 
my friends would, and try and dunk on it. You <laughs> I know? heard, I heard about somebody. Yeah, but now it's it's you know you go out there and, and everybody's shooting threes and and uh, and trying to shoot, and it's always it's almost it's it's it reminds me a little bit of when Muggsy was here, especially you see a guy that's you know smaller. I mean, Steph's six three, but he looks smaller, and and of course all the little kids love him. So when guys are going out to emulate their heroes and the guys that are watching, it's going to be. You know, when they've got somebody they can closely relate to, not everybody can dunk, but everybody can try and shoot that three and, and shoot the jumper. So I think it, you're right. It is interesting to watch. He is incredible. I mean, I, he's an, an anomaly. And I'm and trying to think insane. of the last guy that really started to rewrite. When I say rewrite, I just mean change the way that basketball is either defended or approached offensively. Nick, and the guy that I guess comes to mind is Shaq. Yeah. Just because that's, of that's how. Yeah, just a physical force. Yeah, because there was so much. I mean, you think about I mean, they had to kind of rewrite, you know, the whole way that you you defended him, and didn't they? Didn't they like? Wasn't the um, the defensive three initiated because of? And I may be wrong here, but I felt like I felt like Shaq had something to do with 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 that um, call being implemented because teams are just kind of packing packing the paint to to try and stop them. Because when did zone defense? When did they start allowing help defense? I don't know. And yeah. that may have been that may have been partly because of Shaquille O'Neal's influence. Because just one on one, post defender to post defender, it it remind it would it would remind you of this Sacramento game with Demarcus Cousins, <laughs> except you know Shaq was doing that to the best post defenders at yeah. the time, not to Frank Kaminsky and and Tyler Hansborough. So yeah, I think Shaq really was the last guy to start to rewrite how the game is played because hack a Shaq. I mean that you know mm, yeah. not being able to shoot, and that was more of his his detriment. But also, it was partly because he was so dominant. You had to do that, otherwise, he was going to hurt you offensively. Yeah, NBA Reddit seems to agree with that notion that um, that the zone was put in basically you know as a result of Shaq. There was something written last year around this time when Curry was blown up that. You know, Shaq made such havoc from the inside out, whereas Curry does it from the outside in. But the effect is is more or less the same because it's it's creating such problems for the defense that, I mean, in my opinion, nights like last night, it doesn't matter who they're playing. Obviously, the Spurs, some thought, were the best team in the league. I mean, you could still make that argument, although it's hard to do after last night. But when they're on and hitting those shots, especially at home, I mean, you might as well go ahead and sit down your guys. It's just going to be a tough night for you. This is really premature, guys, and it's an extremely hot take. But I've said this amongst friends when talking about basketball. I think that if Curry has five, six titles by the end of all this, I just think that when you talk about him versus Jordan, you'll have to think about Steph Curry rewrote – He well, he will have rewritten the game of basketball – and I think that's going to be something that you could put on his side that I don't necessarily think you can put on the side of Michael Jordan. You can put a lot of things in Michael Jordan's pro column, but I can't think of um, a situation where he redefined how... Well, certainly you never saw a perimeter player, a team run through you know, a perimeter player like that. Okay. I think that was a change that you saw Jordan the way he impacted it, um, you know, there wasn't a dominant center on those teams um, okay. historically. You're, so you're, 
I like that. So I think that that was one of the larger impacts. I mean, if you go back and look at some of, of his numbers, especially coming up when he was trying to break through the Pistons and going into those playoffs games, I mean, he was doing everything. And there was an interesting stat posted today. I mean, Jordan and Curry's like field goal percentage – are right there with each other, I think, at this point in the season through the seven two and ten mm-hmm. season, which I would have thought Curry's would have been would have blown it out of the water, um, you know. So certainly, there's a long way to go. Hopefully, Steph stays healthy to have that conversation down the road. Um, it'll be interesting to see Jordan, you know, adapted his game a lot like Kobe went down in the post, so did a lot of different things. But your point is well taken. I mean, he's doing stuff you've never seen done before, and you know, Jordan's the last guy that you can say that with you know same in the same breath as as that yeah uh nick uh thanks for the picks thanks for joining us would you like uh, to hear the eric collins call before you go while we have you on the line um, i would i would love to <laughs> oh well here it is for you my friend hornets down to daniels oh my joy daniels how do you do <laughs> <laughs> it's, it makes me laugh every time nick before you go I, it would be unfair to have you on here not talk, give you one question about the Sacramento game. What's your big takeaway? What's the significance of this victory? Because it is in the dead of July. It is in the regular season. But what's the significance for the team? What's the significance for fans? I just think it, there, it's got to be such a confidence booster to, to win that game because, I mean, like, I mean we, we've talked about just how decimated. I mean, I, I watched the beginning of that game, and when I saw – and Marvin Williams started out on, on DeMarcus Cousins and said, it's going to be a long night. And, and it was for, for, for the Hornets in the post. I mean, obviously, you know, he had such a great game. But, I mean, to come out with a win in double overtime like that, that's got to give this team so much confidence knowing, you know, with all the injuries we have, we're starting to put together some wins. They're not perfect. We're still not, very, we're still not where we want to be defensively, but we're getting the wins. And I mean, I think I think we said we're ninth now in the Eastern Conference. I mean, that's yes, yeah, it's pretty pretty good considering where we were about two weeks ago. Um, so this is I'm starting to feel a little bit better than I was a couple of years a couple of weeks ago, and I think I think the Hornets Hornets are too. Yeah, and definitely you're feeling better. The Hornets are feeling better. We're feeling better, and and Hornets fans are feeling better as well. That'll do it for us, Hornets fans. Thanks so much to our uh, guest, Justin Thomas, and, of course, uh, Nick Denning. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Hive Talk Live for live game updates and more. Go to atthehive.com for all the latest news and analysis on your Charlotte Hornets. For David and producer Katie, I'm Doug saying stay bought in, stay believing. All hail the teal and purple.